today, Nick Hancock, and we are sponsored on the Your Harrogate podcast by MJ Ryder. If you want to be all warm and cosy and lovely, you need MJ Ryder's heat plan. So go to mjrider.co.uk. This is the Your Harrogate podcast, sponsored by MJ Ryder, keeping you and your family warm this winter. Now, please welcome your host, Nick Hancock! Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to the Your Harrogate podcast, podcast number two. And we have a great guest from North Yorkshire Police Paul Cording and your Harrogate is all about the best people from Harrogate and Paul is one of the best and we're talking about TV stardom, we're talking about social media, and we're talking about mental health and lots of other things. The best place to get a cake, good cake in Harrogate coming up on our interview in a minute. But first, the fan email, that's fan email that we've received and you can get in touch nick at yourharrogate.co.uk sophie platt has said i really miss listening to your breakfast show it used to feel like a warm hug every morning hello to nice hello to peter gotard hair who said good to hear your voice again and rob Callery, this was the best tweet of the week podcast one review great to have a friendly voice and love the bad jokes. I didn't think there were any bad jokes, but there we go. So coming up in a bit, we've got our What's Hot Guide with Doors Direct. But first, it's our interview with Paul Cording. So I am delighted to be joined by Temporary Inspector Paul Cording. Welcome to the Your Harrogate podcast, Paul. Good afternoon, Nick. Okay, so how does a police officer from Harrogate end up on a national television programme going into millions of people's homes every single week. It's a little bit strange, really, because when, when we first found out that traffic cops were coming to North Yorkshire, it was agreed by the chief officer team, uh, and they asked some of my colleagues if they wanted to do it, and some of them did. I actually didn't volunteer to start with, but there were two or three on my shift that did volunteer uh, with our job, there's quite a lot of abstractions, be that for training, be it for sickness, short notice calls to court, etc. And as it transpired, uh, one of the times the chaps wasn't available, so uh, they asked if I'd go out with them, which is where it all really started. So it started by accident then, in a way. And then just, just tell us what that was like in terms of you're trying to get on with the day job, but you've got film crews around trying to make a television programme. So how does that actually work? So it, it was a little bit strange at first because literally you've got a camera over your shoulder all the time, which is uncomfortable to start with. Uh, I would say nowadays is probably less uncomfortable with the advent of body-worn video that most officers have got. So it's probably a natural progression or natural feeling now. But to be honest, the first couple of times it was a little bit strange, but then it just became normal and all you were doing is you were doing your job and then verbalising it afterwards um, t just to show people what you were doing. So a little bit strange at first, but actually it became part of your day-to-day -day business. 
Traffic Cops is one of those programs that has a real cult following. It's got a real following. So did you start to notice and, and feel that? It does have a cult following. I think uh, we found that when they removed Jamie Theakston from the uh, narrating of it for a series, but he was swiftly brought back. Uh, for me, it was really positive, particularly because it humanised um, the police force. It took away that image that all traffic cops did was hide behind a hedge with a speed gun and uh, do people for speeding. When you see how we're personally affected dealing with families who have lost a loved one or are dealing with a life-changing collision, uh, it's been really beneficial. And the other thing is... It, particularly if it's in an area where you live. So when it came to Harrogate, the amount of my friends and colleagues were going, oh, I know that road, oh, I know that street. And when it becomes more um, local, people are more interested in it, I think. Yeah, everybody, everybody around here seemed to talk about it. And also then all of a sudden these programmes are repeated at days and times that you don't know anything about. So all of a sudden you're being messaged by people going, oh, you're just on my TV. Yeah, usually by my former um, RAF hockey colleagues, which um, <laughs> kind of gets quite expensive. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden this programme's going out all the time and from I mean there were lots of moments that were quite memorable but if you had to pick out one that gets mentioned to you a lot of times were there any particular episodes or any particular events that would come up more from from people talking to you about it uh, there's a couple the, the one where we dealt with a couple of Eritreans who clearly um, come across the channel on the back of a lorry and ended up somewhere near Dishforth uh, that was a real sort of like uh, interesting case. Uh, you sometimes think about immigration or the laws and the rules and stuff like that. The fact is with this one, one of the chaps was only 16 years old and he'd travelled away from his family from Eritrea all the way across Europe, got in the back of a lorry and ended up in, um, in the middle of North Yorkshire. So, obviously, he was taken to the police station. Due to his age, he was housed with social services. And there was a real um, feel-good story to that. About a year later, one of my colleagues, who's uh, very recently retired, he went down to Harrogate Hospital on an unrelated matter to deal with a drink driver. And this chap came up to him and said, um, excuse me, were you on traffic cops? And um, my colleague Mark said, well, yeah, I was. Why? He says, um, I've got somebody who wants to meet you. And uh, it was this 16-year-old, 17-year-old then chap who now spoke perfect English. He was studying at college and he said all he wanted to do was get a job and pay his taxes. Now, Mark had done um, a good 17 years in the police and 20-odd years in the Navy. And he said it was a real moment that literally took his breath away. So, uh, yeah, things, something like that was is very memorable for certain reasons. That's a great full circle story, isn't it? We'll talk about the benefit of having a raised profile in a second. But just on the filming of the programme, did it become normal then that you'd have the camera crew with you? Did that just become part of going to work or did it always seem a bit strange that they were there no it, it did become normal and uh, you found yourself being part of what they're doing to a degree uh, they used to start at the beginning of the shift and they used to have to certainly in the earlier series when they were on bbc one the amount of kit they carried with them was phenomenal uh, with when it moved to Channel 5, they moved to more sort of like agile and GoPros and stuff like that. But I can actually remember running out of the office with the cameraman's 50 grand camera or whatever it was saying, 
burglary in progress, we've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, well, no, it was a man with a gun, we've got to go. And it was a, a job in Knaresborough where um, somebody had been seen in a stolen car, with, allegedly with a handgun, uh, and then we, we got there and then we got sent to another job at Kirk Hamilton and stuff like that. But it was one of those jobs where we didn't stop from when the uh, shift started to when we finished. And there weren't any days when nothing happened? Oh, there were plenty of days, <laughs> plenty of days when nothing happened. And it's really weird because y you start with your ship with all this sort of like, um, you wanting something to happen. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they want good telly, but you want to do your job. Uh, if something didn't happen for two or three shifts that you knew wasn't going to get onto the telly, you started sort of like getting a bit restless and thinking what's going to happen or oh, nothing's going to happen, what am I going to do and stuff like that. So, uh, But it's one of those things, it'll happen when you least expect it to happen. So as I say, the time when we literally were running out before the shift had started. But yeah, there were certainly times when we we were making idle chit-chat in the car um, because nothing was happening. Well, yeah, and of course it can't be a bad thing when nothing happens. No, that, that, that's good from my point of view. I, I guess it doesn't make great telly, but uh, certainly from a policing point of view, that's really good. But that's when your proactivity comes out and your your coppers know six cents, whatever you want to call it, and you, you go hunting. I think, I mean, I think the really interesting bit, one of the really interesting bits about, about your story is, is the, the part you play in Harrogate Life. And we'll talk about that in a second because it has raised your profile. But just to talk about that from a police point of view, it then does give you an opportunity. And, and this is really important now, isn't it? On social media to be a voice and I suppose to be a personality, a person who, who is um, sending out certain messages and I think of certain times of year when you might have certain campaigns like drink driving around Christmas time or use of mobile phones while driving and things and it has given you a bit more of a platform hasn't it? Yeah I mean we started with Twitter uh, probably about 2012-2013 with a, with a road to policing account uh, then I realised that I was probably putting 95% of the stuff on that so I you still have to apply to the professional standards department and the corporate commons department to have a, a a personal work account which is no bad thing because it makes you realize what you can and can't post i wouldn't say everything's gone swimmingly all the time because you will always get that one where you might have got it wrong or somebody complains rightly or wrongly but for me uh, it's a really good way people don't people generally if they they want to find out what's happening they don't wait for the paper to come the following day. There's this uh, FOMO now, fear of missing out, and people want to know here and now what's happening. And I'll freely admit, if I see something and I'm not sure what's going on, the first place I'll go is Twitter and type in Harrogate or something like that, because that's where you'll find your information. But it's been really important as well, hasn't it, like the use of Twitter for people to see that that the police are human, I would say. And actually, it, you're taking into account that it's real people making, you know, decisions and judgments and, and, and you can watch it all happening. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. Uh, I wear a uniform uh, for my job uh, and my job is law enforcement, first and foremost. Uh, my deputy constable would disagree, probably. He thinks most of my posts are about coffee and cake and, to be honest, I'd probably have to agree with him. Move on to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it certainly... Um, 
with the, the people that follow me and or follow the North Yorkshire Road Policing account, both on Twitter and Facebook, it does give me the opportunity to share messages, as you say, about drink driving, drug driving, what we call the fatal four, seatbelt, distraction, speed, etc. But also it allows me to um, give real-time information of traffic incidents, give advice to people who um, ask questions about road traffic legislation and other things. So that's the work side of the thing, but the whole thing, for me, all that I've just described there is media. Now, the Twitter platform, Facebook, is social media. So for me, you have to have that human interaction for people to realize that at the end of the day, you are a human being, you've got feelings, we, we are affected by some of the things we see. Uh, I wouldn't wish some of the things that I've seen on my worst enemies. But for me, the whole thing of social media is being, being um, interactive with people and they might be bad but yeah a bit of humor sometimes uh, yeah, and, the, and the coffee and cake it all kind of connects for me because i think if people are are bought into you and and you're you're showing a bit of of i suppose a bit of color to your personality it actually makes it easier to send out a message then particularly when it's a serious message yeah definitely uh, and don't get me wrong, there is, there is a perfectly right place for certain messages to go out from corporate accounts and stuff like that. But then you don't generally get the engagement. So a message might go out, uh, people will ask questions, they might not get a response. Whereas if you're an individual and you put that question out or you put that statement out, it's partly expected and certainly the way that our corporate comms team have gone very recently they're saying that if you put something on social media then quite rightly within reason and within the the realms of your job it's your responsibility to respond to it and manage it which is fair enough and it's a really interesting point that you made a few minutes ago that that having to apply to have an official police account makes you really think about <laughs> what what you actually put out there and isn't and isn't that the rule of social media i know a couple of colleagues i won't mention any names that have a work account and also a personal account and they've made one or two faux pas if you if you like by responding on their work account thinking they're on their personal account so for me it's it's simple I, don't put anything on that you i'm not saying don't put anything that's on that's controversial because you're allowed to have an opinion there's no problems with that but as long as you stick within the realms of nothing uh, inflammatory and stuff like that then you're not going to get yourself into a bother yeah, it's a very, very good point. <laughs> it's a very good point. What we used to say on the radio, if in doubt, leave it out. Or, or the other one was, if you weren't sure, you know, whether you should make a joke or something, you always think, would you mind if your mum heard <laughs> the, the joke? That was the, other, that was the other rule we used to work on at, at, uh, at Stray FM. So, so talking of, of Harrogate, and, and I think this is really interesting about our podcast, meeting people from around Harrogate who are really proud of where they live and big ambassadors for the town and I would definitely put you in that category Paul you're a great ambassador for Harrogate because clearly we see from your accounts you're somebody who enjoys spending time in Harrogate yeah I, I um, I'm what we call a scaly brat so my parents were both in the Air Force as I, as I was um, before I joined the police so I moved around an awful lot um, in the 90s my parents went back out to Cyprus 
because I was of an age when I should have had a proper job by that stage, um, I didn't go with them. So I joined the Air Force and I actually finished RAF Leeming, just up the A1, which is why I ended up around the North Yorkshire area. So not from here originally, but definitely class it as uh, my home now. Been here for well over 20 years and it's just a fantastic place to be. Uh, the scenery is great, the people are great, there's lots to do, lots to do for a young family which I have now, so yeah really it, it's definitely where I've settled down. And um, nothing wrong either with being a fan of coffee, cake or beer? Uh, not in that order either, yeah. <laughs> but absolutely yes and uh, I do do my best to uh, keep uh, the, the local independents uh, happy sir. Well, there's two two important campaigns that I wanted to ask you about. We're going to talk about the Tour de Raki in a second. But first of all, Lauren, um, who, who I know you do a lot of work with road safety with. Just tell us a bit about Lauren. So Lauren was involved in a road traffic collision in 2008. Um, and she was uh, very seriously injured. Uh, spent the time since then in a wheelchair and she is just an incredible person. It would be very, very easy for somebody in that position to say, I've got nothing to live for, my life's over, etc." But she is so positive and she really wants to make a difference or wanted to make a difference and has done that and beyond. She now assists us uh, with our school talks by going into schools. She's got her own road safety talks charity. She's got countless awards uh, over the last few years from volunteers awards yorkshire choice awards she even got a chief constable's commendation and again going back to um what i said earlier about a corporate account i could go into a school in my uniform and tell people tell people until i'm blue in the face about road safety about what you should and what you shouldn't do lauren goes in tells her personal story it's somebody who has been at a school around this area. That person is in front of you. And honestly, you can hear a pin drop when she speaks. So she is an incredible person and such an asset to have. And what she's done over the last few years is phenomenal. And what she continues to do, even through lockdown, she's now got um, contacts all over the country. And she's got planning permission for her garage to be converted into an interactive studio because the key bit about Lauren delivering her presentation is the interactivity after that. So people can ask her questions and she gears her presentations to the age group. So whether it's primary school, whether it's secondary school, whether it's a group of students at college or anything like that. And she will answer any question you want. And it's just she's just an incredible lady. And do you think it's the honesty in the way she tells the story? Is that what forms the connection, do you think? I, I think so. Um, she is unbelievably honest about how she feels after the, uh, the incident, how it's affected her family, how it's affected her friends. Uh, I always bang on about the ripple effect when we go to a collision. So you've got that collision. Obviously, if it's a failed collision, it affects the people that have been killed. But then... You've got all the emergency service people that are there. You've got all the witnesses are there. And as you go on through the investigation, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got people in the local community. And this ripple effect just goes out and out and out. And it, so it doesn't just affect those people that are directly involved in the incident. It, it's much more far-reaching than that. 
Well, finally, um, only a couple of weeks ago, you've been part of a team of people who've raised um, thousands of pounds on the tour de Racky. So tell us a bit about that. So Mick uh, Aki Atkinson, he was a police dog handler with North Yorkshire Police. He joined a couple of years after me, so I think he joined about 2003. Uh, but uh, when in the first two years you do quite a few courses and stuff like that and back at the older headquarters at Newby Whisk I used to see a lot of Mick really good lad um, Leeds fan as well so we had a connection there uh, anyway a few years ago he, he got an injury with his knee nobody knew that he got taken offline of being a dog handler and nobody knew what was going on and sadly in October 2018 he took his own life uh, his family, friends, nobody had any idea what he was doing. Absolutely larger-than-life character, and it just goes back to uh, sometimes those with the biggest heart are fighting the biggest demons. And the reason that Pierre, his best friend, uh, Aki was Pierre's best man, they they did lots together, went to Headingley to watch Lead Rhinos and everything. So Aki set up, sorry, Pierre set up the tour to Aki, and that's been the last two years, and it's really to raise awareness around mental health and using the strap line it's okay not to be okay because it is particularly we've seen in lockdown and stuff like that people can't go out to do what they wanted to do you get stuck inside you get a bit of cabin fever and you'll have good days and bad days and it's not a problem if you're having a bad day but it's about recognizing your friends i with your friends i i often say the ask twice things because as a bloke you go are oh, you all right and people will go yeah i'm fine thanks are they really? Because I know sometimes that if you've, even if you've not had a great deal of sleep, you don't feel great. And somebody says to you, you okay? You don't say, oh, actually, I'm really tired. I've had a bad day, stuff like that. You say, yeah, I'm okay. And it's, it's a typical bloke thing to do. So what Pierre has created and raised money, first, the first year was for the Leeds Rhinos Rugby Foundation and Mind, the mental health charity. And then this year we added uh, Yorkshire Air Ambulance to it. So three fantastic charities. And I think Pierre's just paid, um, the, well, it was £13,000 we raised this year. So it's just split that three ways and just paid the checks this week. So, um, yeah, it's an incredible thing that he's done to uh, remember our colleague. His column number was 1066, so we did 106.6 miles. Um, I did a lot of... No, I didn't do any training for it. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not so much about... I mean, obviously, that's an epic thing to do, biking over 100 miles, but it's more about Aki. It's yes, more, it and it's more about... Maybe maybe it's more about the awareness that, that there is support out there. Yeah, and again, it was the whole thing with social media. Lots of people that were doing it put stuff out on accounts. Some incredibly generous people who sponsor us uh, and... Bl- Bless Pierre, with everything with the lockdown and stuff like that, um, it took us three attempts to get it going. And had we done it a week later, we'd have, with the rule of six, we'd have probably been struggling even more. As it was, we had to adapt quite a lot. But I'm just pleased we managed to, to, to get it done in memory of, uh, of Aki. And uh, is very humbling to be a part of, um, particularly knowing what Mick was like and... Um, I can see when we were all stood there, Wayne had been looking down and shaking his head and saying, what are you doing? But his sister made me laugh when I spoke to her on the day. She said, I can't believe it. He's got a clothing range after him. He's got, I mean, personalised pork pies after him that Kendall's from Paley Bridge made us. So it's unbelievable. So, yeah, fam- family are an amazing family as well. 
I think I think all the stories are, are really, really good to hear a positive side of social media because I think there is so much talk about probably the negative side or how people need to manage social media to make sure they don't have a negative impact. I think you're a great example of somebody who is using social media for good. Yeah, don't get me wrong, there are, as you say, there are people, particularly with anonymous accounts, who are uh, what we call keyboard warriors, but I alluded to, if you're unhappy with something and you're going to send an email back, how many times have you written that email and just about to press send, you think, I'll just put that in my draft inbox and then I'll go back to it, and then you go back to it a few hours later and you go, oh, maybe I'll take that bit out, maybe I'll take that out, but... If you're on social media and you press tweet, that's it, that's gone. And people will see that. So uh, you, you have to be careful, particularly with a, a work account. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't put anything in a personal account that I wouldn't put in a work account because that's not who I am. I am quite a positive person. I like to try and bring the best out in people. So um, that's just me. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's great to have a chat, and I hope you'll be a guest on our podcast again in the future. Thanks, Nick. The What's Hot Guide with DoorsDirect.co.uk. For made-to-measure sliding wardrobe doors and interiors, visit DoorsDirect.co.uk. Hello again, it's Ben Groom, and I'm back with this week's What's Hot Guide, bringing you a taste of what events are coming to your local area in the coming weeks. With the Halloween season nearly upon us, Thorpe Perro Arboretum in Beedale are opening their annual spooktacular Halloween trail, a spooky trip along their famous walk that promises to keep families looking over their shoulders. The Thorpe Perro team have been really busy redesigning the trail after months of planning and have included lots of new scares and frights to keep you on your toes. That's running from Saturday the 10th of October until Sunday the 1st of November, so there's plenty of time there to head over to Beedale for some family fun. And it's a huge day in the history of Harrogate Town Football Club as they gear up to host their first ever Football League match at their Weatherby Road Stadium. Town, of course, were forced to take up their 3G pitch and replace it with grass ahead of the new season. And with the pitch now up to code, the club can host Barrow for that League 2 match on Saturday the 17th of October. That's it for this week's What's Hot Guide, but to find out a bit more information about all the events coming to your local area, be sure to check out www.yourharrogate.co.uk and click on What's Hot. The What's Hot Guide with DoorsDirect.co.uk For made-to-measure sliding wardrobe doors and interiors, visit DoorsDirect.co.uk Thank you to Little Ben, and you can find out all about what's going on round here and also do a load of things for half price with our vouchers on our website yourharrogate.co.uk the next podcast is going to be out next friday morning including very special guest from harrogate international festivals one of the superstars from harrogate sharon canavar who's going to be our special guest next week in the meantime have a fabulous seven days Thank you for listening and supporting your Harrogate.